Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome. Uh, I'm a host, uh, one of the hosts for the South Asia channel at the New Books Network. And uh, today I'm delighted to invite for a conversation Professor Janki Butler, who was my professor at Columbia when I was doing my master's in religion in 2003, I think. That was a long time back, but very, very happy and uh, intrigued and excited to discuss more about her fascinating book. Two Men and Music, uh, Nationalism and the History of Indian Classical Music, published by Oxford University Press in 2005. Welcome, Professor Buckley. How are you doing in Berkeley? Thank you. I'm very well. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So I guess, uh, which is customary for all uh, authors when we invite them, we first ask them, what led you to this book, which is really a unique book, I think, to my knowledge, very rare, or probably yours is the only book that covers such an important aspect of Indian culture, Indian music, Bhatkhande and Paluskar, two giants. And we knew so little about, we know still, I think, very little about these two giants of the book. So yeah, please tell us why you chose this book and how you interacted. You know, um, why I chose to write about this is the question. You know, at the time, I think I was reading books by people like, by scholars, historians like Tapati Guha Thakurta and um, Parthomitar, Much Maligned Monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the study of India at the time that I was doing my PhD was very focused on what we today call post-colonialism. There was mm-hmm. no post about it really. We were all studying colonialism, you know, very influenced by uh, Barney Cohen and the work of that Chicago group of scholars who Mm. um, were taking colonialism seriously, not just in the ways in which economic historians had done it. Mm -hmm. Um, Economic historians who worked on, you know, the extraction of resources, things Mm -hmm. like that from India, you know, the old Mm -hmm. adage about squeezing the goodness from the the Ganges and and squeezing it into the Thames. But but colonialism, we were interested, say my entire cohort of scholars, Mm -hmm. we were interested in in colonialism and culture Mm -hmm. and and the idea that, that, you know, you you could not possibly have 190 years of British colonialism. Mm and say that it had an impact on the economy, it had an impact on the way in which, um, you know, the Indian government was created, it had an impact on Indian education in the formation of, or in the replacement of um, a sort of Persian medium with English medium schools. So there was a sort of consensus that yes, colonialism had an impact on all of those kinds of material fields, yes. But there was still, for somebody like me who knew something about Hindustani classical music, who'd studied it, um, studied, you know, Kathak as a young girl, the idea that, no, no, somehow 
in all of this, literature was influenced, okay? Our clothing was influenced, our food was influenced. Everything was influenced, but not music, not music. Somehow music had just soared over history. Now this, this was a kind of strain of thinking, or this was, was something that was fairly strongly Mm. written about in ethnomusicology that mm. you know music was its own contained world there was a guru shishya parampara mm. there were all of these roti veti vyabhar rules that operated within gharanas and mm. and you know this it had no connection to colonialism mm. and i remember thinking this is not right mm. this 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 is a kind of romantic view of hindustani classical music and so that was the first thing, was that how did you actually study colonialism, but you studied it where it had an effect on a major cultural tradition. And Hindustani classical music was a major cultural tradition. The second thing that I wanted to ask as a question was that if I looked at um, sort of the main performers of Hindustani classical music, right? And I'm looking primarily at Khayal, I'm not looking at Drupad, I'm not looking at Dhamar. I was looking primarily at the most popular Khayal. one, yes, yes. Right, the most popular, the one everybody associates yes. with Hindustani yes. classical music. Um, of course, the, the kind of Gharana system was deep within Khayal Gaiki, that hmm. was clear. But there seemed to be, okay, and this was just looking at it from the outside, Pankaj, it wasn't exactly like I'd done any research on this, right? Mm -hmm. But it seemed there was a kind of transition mm -hmm. that late from the 18th into the 19th centuries, mm -hmm. the main musicians were all primarily Muslim men. Mm -hmm. And then the musicians are not, okay? That it's almost taken over, if you will, by a new group, and that's almost entirely, not exclusively. I don't mean by this to say that there were no Bengali, Muslim, Bengali musicians or South Indian Muslim musicians, but there was an, a dominance, there was a predominance of Marathi musicians, mm. right? to Gangubai Hangal onwards, all the way to Bhimsen Zoshi, to, you know, to all of the stalwarts. Oh, so many, right? so many. <laughs> So many more than I could, Tukishori Amonkar. And there was a kind of transition. Huh? So there was this music that was affiliated or associated with a kind of past which was seen as not quite um, suitable for national consumption. It was connected either to the princely court or it was connected to the kotha. And, and it all becomes, it was sort of embodied for me in, in the ways in which, you know, even somebody like Kishori Amonkar or where, you know, you had the sari palu drawn around both shoulders, mm -hmm. okay? Judah, Anmevo, mm -hmm. um, particular kinds of seven diamond earring. Mm -hmm. and, and then that music was, and I wanted to track that transformation. I wanted to ask okay. how that happened. I wanted to say, how is it possible that this happened? Hmm. This is a historical transformation. This is not a seamless yes. transformation. Really how does it happen yeah. that yeah. it moves like this? Yes. Hmm. And so that was the second thing. And the third thing 
was that in what I was reading about Hindustani classical music, people focused entirely with good reason, Dan Newman, Regula Qureshi, mm. there was a whole generation of, um, Regula Qureshi actually doesn't work on Khayal, she works on uh, Kavali, but, mm. but all of the ethnomusicologists mm. focused entirely on the musician, mm. just the musician, right? Mm -hmm. And whatever the musician said, they accepted it. Mm -hmm. You know, trained in history, you're skeptical about all of your sources, <laughs> all of your sources, right? <laughs> Every single one. Um, and you're certainly skeptical where if you were to ask me, you know, uh, what was the truth about music, I would actually in turn expect you to be skeptical about my answer because I would be giving you an answer entirely from my perspective and bias and so on and so forth. So those were the ways in which I thought, all right, I'll get into music and, mm -hmm. um, and track this transformation. Mm -hmm. There were other, other sort of um, questions for me. You know, Maharashtra mm -hmm. was, was, is the home of the RSS, the home of the Shiv Sena, mm -hmm. the very strong politics there, yeah? Mm -hmm. What happened to those politics when it mm -hmm. came to music? Did they stay? Did they did they go away? If they went away, did they you know return? Mm -hmm. So there were all these kinds of strands that led me into the study of music. Mm -hmm. um, and in studying music, it struck me that um, you know the two major modernizers mm -hmm. of music, but modernizers in different directions. Yes. Different directions. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, meant that you know even that concept of the modern modern mm. Hindustani classical music, you know, Bhatkande was taking it in a very different direction mm -hmm. than Palusar was, right? And, uh, and so that's how I got into it. Mm -hmm. I can talk about this yeah, without yeah. stopping. I should <laughs> stop and let you ask me the question. That's an exciting topic that you know. Yeah, I can have we can have a long conversation, but. For yeah. our readers' benefit, I want I want to appetize them to you know intrigue them to <laughs> read your book. So uh, I guess I guess my first I mean again these are big questions and you can we can easily have a long but in really brief how exactly I mean, I'm asking big questions how exactly if you can succinctly summarize for audience I will have five five four or five major questions but first question first our next question is how exactly do you think you can summarize very quickly uh, this colonialism how it influenced Indian classics. We know that Bollywood music is all influenced by cosmopolitan, Western music and all that. But Indian classical music was influenced by colonialism. That's such an, such an you know, intriguing and, yeah, so please you know, unpack a little bit. Well, you know, I went to the <clears throat> India Office Records and I looked at all of the ways in which early colonial administrators described music, mm. described oh, yes. From Okay, they and who were the people who did this? So why was it even that it came to, to notice, right? Why was Hindustani classical music even coming to notice? Mm -hmm. And in, in so many ways, what you could find in the archive was a colonial denigration of oh. native music, right? Oh. A colonial denigration of native music. Whatever it was that the natives were doing, they were calling it caterwauling. There were military surveyors who were hearing this music saying this sounds just like mm -hmm. a kind of screeching, if you will, you know, mm -hmm. absent of any discipline, absent of melody. And then the biggest thing about it was that 
coming out of a kind of, um, shall we say, a musical tradition which went, you know, from Bach to Mozart to Beethoven, right? Mm -hmm. Where you, where music, in order to be classical, had to be written down. Mm-hmm. And that the ability to read music off the page was the marker of a kind of classical musical training. Mm-hmm. But that didn't work in India. That mm-hmm. didn't work with mm-hmm. classical music, yeah. right? Your entire rag is sung in two couplets. There's this haider, the antra, and, and the rest of it is not. So you could see, for instance, when I started doing research on Bhatkande and Paluskar, that, that in their works, they were saying, Tika, you know, if you want Hindustani classical music in order to be considered classical music, you need it to be written, we'll write it. You know, write it, all right? Well, some debate but, Huh. And it wasn't you. You think an orchestra is is the epitome? We'll we'll find an orchestra for you. Here's an orchestra, right? right? Now, orchestration, as it turns out, does enter music, right? I mean, all of those like all of those like slump, slightly, uh, shall I say, passionate violence, like eighteen violins in each one of these in the. Right? I mean, that does enter it, yeah. But what I was trying to do, Pankaj, in the book was also show that what becomes Hindustani classical music, what you and I studied, what I studied, certainly, did not emerge sort of unbroken from the Natya Shastra to the present. (laughs) Which is how how we imagined it. Um, But that it comes into its own as a kind of classical music, a music that, mm-hmm. and that to which mm-hmm. national, a national term Indian can be attached. Right? So there was Western classical music and Chinese right. classical music. And, you know, now you have an Indian classical music, which starts out, of course, not as Indian, but Hindustani classical right. music. Right. 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 The, that comes about because in some ways, of a response by the part of, on the part of uh, modernizers like Bhatkande and mm-hmm. Puluskar, and they were two that I picked, there were others, right? There are others in Bengal, Ravindranath Tagore, for instance, is, is mm-hmm. hugely instrumental in mm-hmm. producing a different kind of music in Bengal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it comes about in part because there, there is a kind of desire on the part of at least these two men to mm. respond to this kind of colonial mm. denigration, right? Oh. And in that kind of interaction, mm. you can say um, colonialism had an, mm. an impact because you don't see that kind of, you know, intense desire to systematize, categorize, write down, right. produce a curriculum, produce exams, Sangeet Visharad, so on and so forth, right? You, you right. didn't have this. Yes. You don't have this earlier. You don't have an academy. You don't have conferences. You don't have, yeah, it's off a piece with this other kind of drive, not just in Maharashtra, but elsewhere as well. The kind of intensity with which you can see, for instance, in the same period, histories being written, um, you know, dictionaries being compiled, encyclopedias being wow. combined, compiled, right? Amazing. And we Dharma Shastras, the, the whole idea that there is a, a kind of knowledge that um, we need to recover in some ways, or we need, we but we don't just... Plan. We have this, we have this, we'll keep <laughs> And so then you have volume after volume after volume after volume of these kinds of works being produced. Why are they being produced? It would be just simply wrong to say that they were not being produced in response to a kind of engagement with colonialism, right? right? 
whether it was colonial patronizing or whether it was colonial denigration mm. or whether it was colonial appreciation, mm. right? And there are features of all three, all yeah, exactly. three. So and so to, probably would we can keep an appreciation, right? Or you or could certainly put without a doubt, you could put William Jones in that category. But even William Jones's appreciation was still under the sort of umbrella of colonialism. Right? Right, of so partly, partly, Pankaj, my, my book was saying, you know, why do we need music to be ahistorical? Oh. <laughs> okay. why, why are you so frightened of history? It's like, you know, it doesn't, it's, you know, it's, why are you frightened of history was, you know, I'm thinking, I'm saying this while I'm thinking about it. Yes, yes. It isn't really how I set about it, but it was just to sort of say, look, Hindustan, all classical no, music. Always evolving evolved. Like other traditions. They evolve, it's an evolving tradition, yeah. And, um, you know, in yeah. some cases it evolves in, in these weird ways. And yeah. that was why um, colonialism. Right, because I was also arguing against the ethnomusicologists and I was arguing against the Indologists. And I was arguing against the Indologists in some ways because for the Indologists, the text was adequate. Right. The text, you know, if you had a text like the Natya Shastra, but there's nothing about rag in the Natya Shastra. There's nothing about performance in the Natya Shastra. It's a prescriptive treatise. It's written in Sanskrit. Um, Musicians weren't reading it. Musical performers weren't reading it. I mean, you know, it's only later that that in you know in the period that I was working on, that the Natya Shastra is pulled out against, and then somebody like Bhatkande discovers that the Natya Shastra is of no use, no use. That he did not need an ancient history, right? He needed an old history, not an ancient one. Right. So that's why it went to colonialism. Yeah, I guess my next question would be that exact name Bhatkande, Vishnu Bhatkande, what exactly, how exactly he was like traveling all across India and interviewing all these musicians. So yeah, you please tell us, summarize what Bhatkande, what exactly he did, he seems like so much energy, traveled so much. Tremendous, tremendous energy. You know, I came out of the project, I'd actually started out, you know, I, I knew enough about Paluska, right? Because he was a Kirtankar, and so I knew right. about all of that. Oh, by the way, on Paluska, I'll come to the next question, but, but let's talk about it. On Paluska, I was going to ask you, uh, you didn't mention his sons. Uh, what, did his son also play a role on, on all this? So his son didn't was go, also a great performer. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, the scope of the book was such that I actually was hoping that what it would do would be to encourage others to work on all of the figures that I could not okay. work on, that I had not worked on, okay. you know, because for, it, it came out of a dissertation. It's too too much. There was too much. You know, I wanted to do the Gandharva Mahavidyalaya and then oh. I wanted to do first something on the princely courts because that was oh. the transition. Uh, so, for instance, I didn't do a lot in this book with Natya Sangeet, which was an obvious kind oh, of transition. In Marathi Natya Sangeet, I right. didn't write that much about Marathi Natya Sangeet. Right. And I want, because I wanted a kind of historical trajectory for yeah. the book, right? And now, yeah, Bhatkande was, was so fascinating for me, you know, because in, um, and, and it's interesting because Bhatkande now, the work that I'm doing now, the second book oh. that I'm writing on Savarkar, oh. oh. I've been reading so much um, by 
sort of the Marathi intellectuals of the 10s and 20s and 30s and about, you know, various figures in Maharashtra. Uh, Rahul Sarvate has actually an excellent dissertation on the um, intellectual history of Maharashtra on this period. You know, you should have him on your interview him as well. He's, he's got a job teaching it at Ahmedabad, but he, oh. he would be able to tell you so much more about this. Prachi Deshpande's work, of course. Um, but it is a period of this kind of recovery. And <clears throat> Bhatkande is so firmly of the opinion <laughs> that um, there is a kind of pokar panditya, what he calls pokar panditya. Pokar oh. is hollow. Yeah. Um, it's a hollow, it's almost like mm. pedantry, like pedantic knowledge. Um, and to stay away from that kind of poker panditya mm. and to actually get to the the meat of the music itself, mm. the meat of music itself were the various compositions, and the compositions mm. were all kept hidden, and they were all sort of completely tied up by this gharana system, mm. um, and so you see this uh, this this struggle between that as well, between mm. the gharana system and Bhatkande. And if you wanted to know somebody else who's written a book on this is Dharat Newman, who's Dan Newman's son. Mm. Oh, Dan okay. Newman was a much older generation. Um, Dan Newman I knew, but I didn't know what was. Right. And Dard has written, his name is Dard. He's also a oh. sitar player, oh. who, who Shujat Khan's Shagird, I think. Oh. And Dard Newman is at UC Santa Cruz. Oh. And he wrote a book about this too. So in fact, if you wanted the other side of my book, which was the resistance to everything somebody like Bhatkande and Paluskar were trying to do, Right. From the gharanas itself, oh. you should go to that Newman. Okay, got it. Okay? okay. And so, I mean, I can tell you that if you wanted to do a whole series on music, that's where you should go. And then if you wanted to do Karnataka music, there are at least two people. There's Lakshmi Subramaniam, okay. um, who wrote about the Madras Musical Academy, and Amy okay. Weidman, who okay. wrote about also about sort of the ways in which a kind of modern instrumentality comes into music, like the harmonium is hugely oh, resistant, yeah. as you can imagine, yeah, right? Because, because it's rest accordion ka chota, if younger version yeah. accordion, That's accordion. right. And then and then Marathi Nati Sangeet is unthinkable without the accordion, without the harmonium now, harmonium, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but Bhatkande, Bhatkande is sort of part of this generation that is indefatigable. Oh indefatigable. Say, so hmm. Prachi Deshpande writes about Rajwade, for instance, right? Who was so um, <clears throat> bent on, on sort of gathering as much archival in, uh, material hmm. as he possibly could, recognizing oh. that some of this archival material was going to reside in homes, in people's homes, and he right. would go there and he would just sort yeah. of demand um, <laughs> The, the material and right. if they didn't get it you would say you know me punha punha you know i will wow. return again and again and again until you give me this so and you would go on period, and just ask for the names of the music musician in that uh, town and he'll just gather all the information and, yeah yeah and he'll even, like yeah. every street is going and just collecting all this material yes yes so there's a really intense kind of drive to gather, collate, collect, much more Pankaj than even I knew when I was writing the book, because since then I've been doing other kinds of yeah. other kinds of reading. And this kind of almost, um, I don't want to use the word frenzy, that's not the word that I want to use, but there is a really intense drive 
to accumulate and mm. to restore and, and for several purposes, for several purposes, all right? Mm. One is simply to sort of catalog all of this work. Mm. The other is to examine the work. Third is to write a certain kind of historical mm. narrative. Fourth is okay. to sort of inculcate in a new generation the virtue of actually doing this kind of empirical work. And in retrospect, I see Bhatkande as part of that, that yeah. kind of yes. impetus. Yeah. But of course, <laughs> but the but the inevitable clash with the community of musicians, right? Mm. For whom the perpetuation of a tradition was mm. that it was handed down within the family, within right. within a sort of genealogy oh, yeah. from you know, and then Bhatkande's attempt mm. to take it away from them and turn it into something national. So you see musicians then caught between, say, that kind of impulse on Bhatkande's part, and then Pandit Paluskar's, which was much more driven by his own personal um, kind of religiosity. You know, I'm, I'm older, I'm much older than I was when I wrote the book. So arguably, I might have written it slightly differently. But, but it's clear that for Pandit Paluskar, you know, music could not be separated from, oh. from yeah. a kind of spirituality from and nationalism. Yeah. And whereas for Bhatkande, it was much more at least what we would understand as a kind of Gandhian secularism, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Which is you just that um, you just got it, got it and converted it into a kind of curriculum and a training that was available for all, but it had to be rigid and it had to be scholarly and it had to be, you know, if you, you could never have done it the way Bhatkande did it. You would need five, six languages, you know, in order to do it properly. But Bhatkande is quite extraordinary in his energy. And what is interesting is that is that one of the arguments that I was making in the book was that somehow, even as Bhatkande is successful, all right, and I when I, I when I say I don't mean to pose them as complete success and failure, Bhatkande as failure, Paluskar as successful. I think I did that in the book, you yes. know, at the time it was it was a device, if you will, literary kind of device in which to do it. What both but it, you, like yeah, but it was striking to me that at the end of all of this, you know, what emerges as Hindustani classical music is completely mm. r removes itself or mm. is removed by a in the kind of conversation between Bhatkande and Paluskar who did not like each other. Okay, <laughs> Paluskar did not think Bhatkande was a real musician. Okay, and there was all of that sort of on the one hand shall we say, a musician's distaste for a non-musician mm. writing history. And on the other hand, there was Bhatkande's position about musicians who can't see anything. You know, uh, they, can't, they can't look two days into the future. They just oh. see just their own performance, but they don't see the bigger picture. Right. And so I, I, I meant to produce this kind of dialectic between them that produces right. um, Hindustani classical music. Right. But what was very striking for me, Pankaj, was that, you know, both of them in their own way try to remove music from, from the debauchery of the princely court, mm. right, no. from the indolence of the princely court. Mm -hmm. um, while the musicians are saying, in the princely courts, you know, Mm -hmm. 
अच्छा वो सारी बातें ये लो एंड एंड टू दैट एंड म्यूजिक वाज सो रिमूव्ड फ्रॉम एनीथिंग रिलेटेड टू द बॉडी एनीथिंग रिलेटेड टू द बॉडी दैट इट वाज टर्न्ड ऑलमोस्ट एसेक्सुअलाइज्ड राइट इन दिस इन एंड दैट वाज माय चांस यू नो दैट वाज द काइंड ऑफ ट्रांसफॉर्मेशन आई वाज ट्रैकिंग लाइक फ्रॉम बाय आई ऑलमोस्ट राइट वे वे इट्स लाइक द बॉडी इट्स एंड and because of that you know mm. this idea that it has to be completely spiritual you know mm. you have to bow to everything you know you mm. bow to your instruments that goes you on yahan pranam karo wahan pranam karo pranam karte 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 you know everything starts with a prayer mm-hmm. that was my sort of critical note at the end of oh, that book yeah. which was that it has you know in some ways one group was moved out of center stage and another group was moved into center stage but in the process um you know what happened to music and you know that was something i was hoping other students would pick up and and write right, right. i sort of that right so i guess so bhatkand is the main contribution is to intellectualize the entire yes music system come up with notations and 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 all the intellectual work now let's come to paluskar what was his major contribution and then we'll discuss how they both merged in the contemporary set of contemporary set you know they didn't merge no they were antagonists and they never did yeah. merge yeah. per se i think hindustani classical music is landed up uh, creating a merger between them. exactly that's what i meant that we you know, yeah. in the contemporary setting where we have gandharva vidyalay but we also use notations of bhatkande so kind of bhatkande yes somehow they both merge the systems must irrespective of the founder of the both systems yeah you know partly i think that is paluskar's success all right ah, and that is oh. why i was saying that he was successful right okay. because um in everything that i read you know mm-hmm. on paluskar from paluskar or from right. people who wrote about paluskar mm-hmm. paluskar styled himself a particular way right mm-hmm. and i think you can see that um you can see it with gandhi that he styles himself in a particular mm-hmm. particular way um right. I, you know when after I mean, if you looked at, say, the transformation of Gandhi from his time in London as oh, a student, where he's wearing a top hat and a striped tie and oh, yeah. you know double-breasted jacket, all the way to when he yeah. is wearing just a loincloth, and he's yeah. wearing a loincloth because yeah. a peasant yeah. in Tamil Nadu tells him yeah. that you know khadi is too expensive and a loincloth is all he can afford, right? Oh. And so that is the reason that Gandhi then will move to wearing only that loincloth, which. Yeah. which of course produces its own thing like you know people in india at the time are horrified why is he wearing a loin cloth why is he not wearing more clothes what, what is this you know um he goes off to england wearing very few clothes and is asked by a reporter you know do you think you were wearing enough clothes to which his response is that he thought the king was wearing more than enough for both of them <laughs> and so but what i mean by this is uh-huh. that you know i i wanted to pay attention to to the self fashioning of paluskar that paluskar mm. fashions itself in a certain way right mm. as somebody who had visions as somebody who heard mm. things who was yeah. pulled by a spiritual mm. religiosity pulled by yeah. Yeah. very devout and that music had to be part of that that music so had to be part of that the geographical details the miracles and by paluskar 
Yeah, yeah. You can move mountains and like you, like what you. Bilkul, bilkul. You know, which is a very, very different way of approaching music the way Bhatkande approached it, mm-hmm. right? Bhatkande yeah. wanted it totally in some ways. No. Yeah, an intellectual mod. And, you know, honestly, I mean, when, for instance, um, you know, I remember going to a Pandit Jasraj um, concert. And Pandit Jasraj came dressed almost like in a garb of a sadhu, right? Uh-huh. In the colors. Sort of blessed, almost blessed the audience, uh-huh. right? That's a very different kind of performance, shall uh-huh. we say, uh-huh. right? Than a performance in which, um, in which that does not happen. Right, right, right. In which the musician, you know, comes in, just says yeah. Namaskar as by way of saying hello, right? right? right, right. Um, and settles down and right. then, you know, makes sure tampuras are correctly tuned, that the tabla tone is correct, and then starts singing or whatever. It's a very different atmosphere that is produced, right? right? right. It's a yes. very, very different atmosphere that's produced. Yes. Yes. And um, at the end of my book, I felt like you know, Bhatkande's vision had taken, uh, taken a beating a little bit and that Paluskas mm. had okay. prevailed, okay. right? In the sort of ascription, mm-hmm. shall we say, or, or the joining uh, of this kind mm-hmm. of spirituality, yeah. religiosity, acha, with Hindustani classical music. But Bhatkande, that was not Bhatkande's mm-hmm. wish. And some yeah. fusion of the two then comes about because Bhatkande had uh, the more... The notations are all used by a yeah, it comes about. It, to my mind, it, it's to music's detriment. Okay. okay? Um, to my mind, that is to dance's detriment, right? I think okay. um, you could see it, say, for me in Katha, for instance, where, I mean, how many times were we going to dance Makhanchori? I mean, was there no subject that we could dance other than that? Mm-hmm. Was there nothing we could do that was not either in, you know, there was not Draupadi Haran or Makhanchori or was there nothing that we could dance that was Mm. released or in some ways, you know, there was a whole world, right, of Mm. emotions, passion, stories Mm. that could be told that did not need to be confined just to, you know, the two epics that occupied such a large role. And and in my mind, that that, that sort of froze froze music and froze dance for a little while. Now, actually, it's different. Now, I think it's different. But it's, you know, and that's historical process, I guess it takes a while. So yeah, even actually in the film history, we see earlier silent films were all about mythology and epics and so on. Yeah. Now they moved on to all kinds of subjects. Yeah. Probably something but it's, it, it, yeah, it's you know that it it was it was and remains I think frustrating for a number of dancers and musicians mm. that okay. that you, you know it's just you can't get out of this you mm. can't get out of it you don't get a grant if you're not writing something about yet another reversion of you know Draupadi Haran or you know because so much is dependent on it oh. and uh, you see so there's a whole independent of this there's a whole structure that keeps this in place and um, and so that was where I felt like, you know, when when I saw Pandit Jasraj bless his audience, I thought, well, this is Paluskar's success. 
this is for success the idea mm-hmm. that you know hindustani classical music must always be tied to to in mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. sense sacrality religiosity mm-hmm. spirituality so poluskar mm-hmm. was the one i mean pioneer of all these gandharv mahavidyalay spread across india yep. now right he was the one who started do you think how yes. many such vidyalayas such schools are there across india now who are teaching classical right music? now I would not know. Right now, I would I mean, not know. And one of my big regrets is that I did not actually go to Lahore until oh, much yeah. later to look at where the original Gandharva Mahavidyalaya was. Right, right. You but know, I, I found a lot. I thought it closed yeah, down. It moved, moved to but it, yeah, but it was originally but set originally, up in Lahore. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, and think maybe hundreds of thousands, do you think, the, these music schools? Oh, yes. Yes, without a doubt. Hundreds US, of us, Canada, everywhere, all over the world. Everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, I don't follow what happens in the U.S. and Canada so much with the music. I mean, I just listen to the music itself. But, right. but did you see um, Chaitanya Tamhane's movie called The Disciple? No, not yet. I will. I will watch. So you should watch that because a lot of that is. sort of you know when i was looking i watched that movie i i thought oh my gosh somebody here seems to have read my book <laughs> okay. oh, you know because there was it is a kind of description of a kind of world that does not concede to the forces of change and oh, and oh. Um, and it's described in very loving detail but um but with a very good critical eye and by critical i don't mean politically critical i mean oh, critical okay. as in as in seeing seeing this world of music almost as this uh, sealed world hermetically sealed world oh, you know okay. where you enter it with your guru guruji and then yeah. you and the guruji's other shishyas are like this unit and and then you're moving around within that yeah. unit whereas the forces of the world are are knocking on the door and you only see the forces of the world as somehow polluting corrupting oh. so if one of your students wants to go off and join a band for instance mm-hmm. well then he can join the band but he can never come back to learn music oh. with me yeah. those kinds of absolutisms you know that oh. that i think um that i think in some ways have to be fought against because mm-hmm. otherwise art form doesn't grow it should keep evolving and not afraid it, of it, in my opinion it should, in my opinion it should but of course you know i'm not a musician and uh, and i don't have I, i mean i don't have the same kind of kya kehte ho same investment in maintaining the tradition as it was uh-huh. because for me you know a tradition is always historical mm-hmm. Mm. I mean it is what you know whatever the tradition is evolving, okay yeah. you and I having this conversation is not something that could have happened 50 years ago uh, right it's a good thing that we're uh, having it yeah did i miss anything major that you would like to add uh, you know uh, the thing is about the book what i will say is that uh, there were certain arguments that i wanted to uh, make one was um that music was not just modernized but music uh-huh. becomes a modernizing tool itself oh okay and by that i meant that music becomes the kind of way in which if you if you can see now right mm-hmm. what happens when when you get married and you have children well your daughter is immediately put into either kathak or bharatnatyam or something like that right mm-hmm. um 
it's it's no longer that you know you wait to find out whether she has the talent and then you hand her over to a guru or something like that right that music becomes a modernizing tool in mm. educating if you will a new generation mm. of of um of indians into their quote unquote national culture mm-hmm. um but so in the nationalizing process, and traditionalizing also then right nationalizing so, and traditionalizing go together and the other couple of arguments that i wanted to make one was of course that one group of women were moved out of the center stage right mm-hmm. these were your akhtari bais who become mm-hmm. then begum akhtar right? right so one group is moved out one group of women is moved out mm-hmm. women who were considered too attached to a kind of debauched or an or a, mm-hmm. a sensuous a sexual world mm-hmm. um and another group of women is moved in right and they're mm-hmm. all now they are all chaste and mm-hmm. asexual and and um and sort of cleansed the music is mm-hmm. cleansed of all of its past mm-hmm. associations but it's a very kind of yeah mm-hmm. yeah and in the process i mean one of the arguments that i did make was that um that even the kind of shall we say hindu theory that was put on this music mm-hmm. right even that was was shall we say struggled over mm-hmm. so whereas for somebody like paluskar right without real um engagement with or study of mm-hmm. right um the uh, of of any any sanskrit text or anything or part of hindu history there was this kind of assumption ki you know ye bahut purana hai aur ye hamesha se se aa raha hai but for somebody All like bhagavad gita yeah from from the vedas to now straight line straight line okay mm-hmm. but for somebody like bhatkhande what was much more interesting was that he tried to do that and he found that he could not hold up historically sure. so you had that kind of historical critical and yet nationalist and yet yes. modernizing and yet right all of that and it's in that kind of struggle that you see the emergence of, <laughs> you see the emergence of hindustani classical music yeah. but um and i ended it with abdul karim khan and his yeah. daughter for that reason right you know where really like you saw the incident that you about abdul karim khan the first time he announces the name of the raga and there is a ruckus how can you announce yes. the name of the raga i know so, so. <laughs> you, you do not you do not announce it you know so. samajhdar everyone who knows the music knows it automatically samajhdar yeah you should ha bilkul apne aap samajhdar aur agar samajhne nahi wale ho to to niklo tum yahan se you know kya kaam hai tumhara yahan you know? but the other thing that i wanted to do in the book pankaj was that one of the things that i heard and partly i heard it from musicians i heard you know ek zamana hua karta tha oh. maharaja zamana oh. ye wo ye wo ye wo and so that's when i went out to baroda bahar when i oh. sat there and i made my way through all of those huzur hukumnamas oh you know there was a kalavant karkhana along with oh. other karkhanas you know music was with uh, half the time that the musicians were saying you know this maharaja came back from here and stood in the rain and you know and listened to me singing malhar and so on and so forth those maharajas were barely there wo to the nahi they were गर्मी के महीने में दे वेंट ऑफ टू इंग्लैंड अच्छा बिकॉज इट वॉज अस्टैल फॉर 
I'm not saying that there were no Maharajas who were not music aficionados, mm -hmm. but but you know the ideal shrota or the ideal mm -hmm. um, ideal patron, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. was a patron who just sort of gave gave a musician a home and money and just let him, you know, sort of. Um, further his musical ambitions and further mm. his art, that, mm. that this was more wishful thinking than actuality. Mm. Mm. You know, that this was perhaps an indicator of what the musicians might have wanted, mm. but it was very rare. In mm. most mm. cases, that was not the case. They mm. weren't mm. treated quite that well. Mm. And so in some ways, you know, um, Bhatkande's efforts would have, would have professionalized the entire entire community mm. of musicians differently, right? Mm. Established academies. It's almost like a revolution yeah. that he that he started. Both of these together, it's like a revolution. Yeah. He's mushrooming yeah. thousands so of people. Yes, but but to hear it from the point of view of the musicians, you should invite Darth Newman. Okay, oh. because for the musicians themselves sitting in the garanas watching all oh. this on the one hand, oh. okay, watching Paluskar say, look, your music is all, all, this is a Hindu music. You know, oh. you were basically taking garanas and saying, you are not authors of your own art. You're just oh. the performers of oh. an art that yeah. preceded that you. Tension, yes, yes. Huh. And uh, that on the one hand, and then on the other, to see somebody like Bhatkande treat them as if they were just, you know, ignorant and mm. um, almost as if, you know, you can't do anything else. You can't do anything else. And you need to hand over all your compositions to me, mm. me, Bhatkande, when I'm not a musician myself. Mm. <laughs> not a musician no, but no, i will no. nonetheless set it all up in an academy you know yeah. so musicians get caught and That's if i were to be critical yes. of my own book mm. i would say that that dimension i did not include oh okay the other side you know i did not we have a counterpart now so i have a counterpart and that yes. did all right but um yes. but i was very focused on how music was nationalized and how it was yes. turned yeah, into a national tradition super so i think we could have talked more but i think for the interest of audience we oh yes 50 minutes and a really really fascinating book uh path-breaking book, book from my perspective i think we don't i don't know any other thing wonderful, concise and precise summary of modern history of Indian classical music and how these two giants revolutionized the musical scene with all the tensions and biases and whatnot. Thank you so much, Professor Buckley. You were my professor once and now I learned again so much from you. And well, I hope, uh, also. I, hope, I hope, thank you. I hope this was useful for you and for your listeners. And, and um, you know, if I, I will come to Pune and Pune is, yes, you know, so where so. I have a lot of family. And, you know, I'll, I'll come look you up. Most welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.